Okay. Take it away. Dilaruk. Yes, sir. Man, you're my favorite oh. comedian in Melbourne. <laughs> That's what a start. Every podcast needs to start like that. He, he only this just saw you this year as well. But, so but is this a thing he says to everyone? You've had Rob Mills on and got you're my favorite uh, Australian Idol contestant. You've best. had an astrophysicist going, you're better than Neil deGrasse Tyson. Is that a thing that he does all the time? No, or is it no. special? I think it's special to oh, you. Oh, mate, thank you yeah. so much. Maybe that's that means just, a lot. Thank that's you. That's your brown. That's why. Maybe that's why. No, I don't care. Whatever you, it could be because of my massive tits. Yeah. I don't care. Oh, I'm just yeah. happy that massive you, you just enjoy Enjoy. <laughs> no, genuinely, that means a lot because um, it's a very competitive industry and I've always considered myself kind of like, you know, one mm. of, but to meet someone who's saying the favorite, yeah. I'm like, ah, what a nice feeling. You so thank you, buddy. Well, it, means a, it means a lot to me to hear you say that because I love yeah, introducing my friends to comedians they may not have heard of. Right. And Harmon, I saw you for the first time this year. Yeah, was it based on my advice or was it? Hundred percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I feel so. I feel so validated. Yeah. Oh no, I feel so warm <laughs> that you've got You're so warm. Deal. Imagine yeah. how I feel. So I kind of remember like. Yeah, uh, I suppose you and your mom used to come to yeah. shows since 2016, maybe? 2015? Yeah, so the first show I saw you do was at the games room at, at oh, Acne yeah, with, yeah, with, with the moss flying around. Yeah, the there was 30 seater, that was. Yeah. And I think uh, there was a night, I think maybe, uh, I think the lowest I had, there was nine people. Mm. So nine, uh, performing to nine people uh, in my hometown wasn't the best feeling. However, at the same time, that was the year that I ended up like, selling mm. my show out multiple and having extra shows yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, 30 seater. So you yeah. came at the early so, ages. Yeah, so, so I came once by myself and I told my mom because she loves comedy as well. I said, you've right. got to come and see this guy. Really? Because he's just such a lovable, oh, funny, man. relatable guy. That's so cool. He just talks so honestly and openly. Let, let's oh, go that's and so see lovely. him. I so I came again with my mom and, yeah, we're seeing you as often as we can yeah I, remember, I feel like there was a period where it was almost like i'd set my calendar to when you guys came <laughs> to the show i'm like oh, i must be april because dan and his yeah, mom's here yeah. <laughs> but uh so yeah so he gave the recommendation and you, you went did. did you come to this year's show is this it? year's show oh great uh, and Thank man you. Uh, what an amazing set tight precise i watched it twice oh really i did 100 i did oh, i took man. my friends and then i took my date to your show as well and she loved it man oh wow yeah. tell me more about this date what date number was that stop counting after a while oh how long have you been together oh uh we're not dating anymore it was just a date uh, i was like oh, do you want to say a good no date? no but what i'm trying to get at is uh, is that i've always wondered whether taking a date on a, a first date to oh. a comedy show oh. is that advisable or should it be more um like something once you establish each other's kind of it, senses of humor because mm, i think a first date is a bit risky first date is risky you'd want to um sit down and talk I mean, you know, she she made sure she looks pretty for you, so you you don't want to sit and look at someone else, uh, especially not someone as sexy <laughs> yeah. as me. Like you don't want but two but brown guys. Like we don't want. We shouldn't be competing with each other. But you know, yeah, it, it inevitably would happen. She's we gone. Well, have. I can have this brown guy or this or that guy. One, right? Although the version of me on stage was still in a relationship, even in real life, I had broken up at that point. Oh um, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't. I didn't have the emotional capacity to talk about the breakup because mm. it had only happened, you know, in December. So this was in. April um so I had to stay in a relationship for the sake of the mm, show mentally. mentally and then subconsciously break up every time I finish the show <laughs> bro every time I watch that set 
I s- every time someone asks me, like, you know, like, uh, why do you like comedians or why do you have comedians in the podcast? And I say to them, when someone turns their trauma or something, some bad experience into a comedy, a tight comedy set, mm. I'm a massive fan of that. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. And it was, I think that show is one of my benchmarks to tell people why I like comedians. Wow. Wow. Thank you, man. There's a compliment. Uh, that's huge. That's huge to me because the show almost didn't happen um, mm. because A, it was a tough topic. For those who are listening who don't know, I did mm. have, I had a heart attack last year at the age of 37 um, in, yeah, in 2022. And uh, I was initially, like, when, when the talk of what, you know, show title and stuff like that for the next tour starts happening around uh, September, October. And I was hesitant to talk about the heart attack because I, you know, Cal Wilson introduced me to this phrase, which is that people want to see scars, not your wounds. Because the idea Mm. being that scars have an interesting story and there's some healing in there and people are comfortable Mm. hearing about you know, triumph of adversity. But when it's a wound, it's too fresh. And it, even in real life, think about it. Like if someone's got a pussy fucking wound, you're like, Ugh, mm. I don't want to see that shit. Same with tattoos as well. Like when they show it while it's still glad wrapped, I'm yeah. like, yuck, mm. wait for it to heal and then show it to me. You know what I mean? So scars do uh, have compelling stories. Wounds are a bit harder to sell. And I wasn't sure whether this was a mm. scar or a wound yet. And um, But what happened in, a, in the end was every time I sat down to try and think of ideas, all my brain was flooded with was, fuck, I had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like everything felt irrelevant to talk about, um, you know, if I did, whatever I would have talked about, if it wasn't heart related, sounded insincere. Mm. So I just kind of then had to bite the bullet and go, look, I don't think I'll sell. I don't think I'll give a shit about any other material other than this this year. So even if it's, you know, still a wound, I'll take that challenge on to try and make it palatable for the mm-hmm. audience rather than do a show that's, you know, flower, whatever mm-hmm. other thing I would have done that where my heart was not quite in it. Where mm-hmm. I would have been going, fucking, fucking heart attack. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, I'll lean into it. And then in December, uh, I had my breakup and I was in such a bad mental health space that I just went like, okay, writing a show about a trauma is, writing a show is hard. Writing a show about a trauma, uh, health trauma is harder. Writing about it while you're going through a breakup, even harder. And then at the same time, having to do it while filming one of the, you know, most popular TV shows, mm, uh, Utopia. I was like, this is too much. Just take the show mm. out, take the stand up show out of the equation. Um, and then you might not cry as often. And so I just then I I was doing that and I was almost ready to call my management and be like, hey, I know we've taken the photos. We've got the press, everything done. I thought maybe what can be a compromise is I'll do a best off show because Mm -hmm. I know how the material works and I I have done. I can just wedge it in and do like a best off show. That way I don't lose face. Mm -hmm. Um, Also financially, well, you know, comedy festival and the tours are like my biggest earner for the whole Mm -hmm. year. So saying no to an a new tour is not just about not doing it. It's also acknowledging a chunk of my mm. income mm. is not going to be in my account. So a few decisions were pl- uh, plaguing me in a way. And then I just went, you know what? There's two outcomes here. Either I do it and I have a breakdown or I don't do it and regret mm. not mm. having a crack. Right. Uh or there's a third outcome where I do it, I just survive. <laughs> and I was like, I think not having both, both, in, both things had a pain to it, but I always try and focus on, you know, rather than saying which one is giving me more pleasure, sometimes 
decision making helps when you go, which one's giving me more pain and I'll avoid that one mm -hmm. as opposed to going towards a thing that's giving you more pleasure. Because sometimes the pleasure is not as evident, but you are more motivated by loss uh, or pain. So for me, I was like, it would, for me, my type of personality, it would be more painful to to never uh, to have missed out and not knowing what could have happened mm -hmm. versus having a crack and failing or falling short or mm -hmm. having a setback or whatever it was. I'd rather push myself to the limit and see how I stand or crumble rather than just going, I'll play it safe. Mm. So, yeah, I'm diving all that to say. You went all it, in. It, it makes, particularly compared to any other year, you saying that you enjoyed this show the way you did means more to me than if you had said it about any other year, mm. just because of all the, you know, the head fuck that I was going through to get to that mm. point. So, it's really validating and it's really nice to know that that effort, I feel the reward of it because I was really proud of it, but it's nice to know that there have been that impact on other people such as mm -hmm. yourself where you came back and brought friends and stuff like that. It's just like, ah, oh, what an incredible gift. So thank you for telling me that. Man, fuck, you look great for 37-year-old, 38-year-old. 38. What does that mean, Harman? <laughs> you look great, bro. <laughs> what? Oh, you, just, you just insulted 38-year-olds across the land. No, you look amazing. You look, Thank you. You look great, man. And I appreciate I, that. And I if like, this pod doesn't end up in us fucking each other, <laughs> I don't know what, what, yeah. what we're doing here right now. We're because this feels like this is what we're heading to. We're all caffeinated, emotionally attached. There's great energy in this room. I mean, <laughs> might as well just give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> You've been on such a health journey as well over the last you know, yes, let's go. Several here. years, yes, for a heart attack to happen as well, it must have been like crushing as well, like mentally. What are you, my evil conscience? <laughs> the one voice in my head that I've been trying to shut out? <laughs> Fucking hell, Daniel. No, you're spot on. Yeah. And and I think so. The heart attack happened in April 2022. Here we are, a year and three months later. I think that's the one big thing that's fucking me mm. up still. Like mentally, I haven't still um, accepted that I went through many big drastic health changes. So quit drinking seven years ago, uh, lost like 30 kilos, ran marathon, mm. you know, did a marathon, did half marathons, multiple half marathons. I even came across an Instagram post on the last day of the comedy festival in 2019. I'd set out for like a 5K run and ended up doing a half marathon. Mm. I was like at like going, fuck it, I can. Let yeah. me just do a half marathon because yeah. I'm bored, <laughs> you know. Um, I was just really proud of how much I'd committed and prioritized health. So then to still end up having a heart attack is something that I I can intellectually give all the right words and be mm. like, yeah, this still tracks because of all the high cholesterol food that I was having in spite of losing weight. I can still track it as genetically, you know, my family history of heart issues. Apparently us brown people, we have yeah. thinner arteries. <laughs> um, there's a lot going against me as well. But in spite of knowing all of that, I still struggle with the fact that it happened. Mm. And I still feel entitled to not to it not have happened. Mm. You know, I'm like, oh, fuck. It's not true. By the way, everything I'm about to say, I know is not true. But the feeling is like, fucking, you know, I can't believe I put all that effort in and mm. I still had a heart attack. Anyway, how embarrassing, how cringe, you know. And 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 the the weird part is... It's made me so much less motivated to 
keep trying now. Mm. And again, I do. I'm on mm. my 49 day streak of doing some sort of workout without missing a beat. Mm. But it's fucking getting harder because not yeah. just physically, it's just emotionally. I can't help but shake that feeling mm. of what's the fucking point. And it's yeah. not true. I know it's not true. It's because I know that exercise saved my life. For those who don't know, so it was cholesterol that caused the heart attack and um, I didn't feel anything. I felt, sorry, I felt a little discomfort in my left arm and my chest, but there was no pain to the extent that the doctors thought it was psychosomatic because if you do have a heart attack, usually there's, you know, some sort of writhing pain or it shows up on the ECG as having some damage to the heart muscles but there was no damage to the heart muscles they're like this is probably just stress but when they look deeper they found an 80 percent block in an artery that they called the widow maker so Ooh. it was a very hectic it was a full-on heart attack the reason i didn't feel anything is because my cardio fitness is so mm. good that the muscles around the heart just kept pumping through that block and i didn't barely felt a yeah. any pain so exercise absolutely saved my life and 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 you know if i was still drinking or still obese the way i was i probably would be in much more of a drastic mm. situation so i know that exercise is good for me and that it is something i want to keep doing mm. but it's hard not to face your mortality and face how fallible your body is and still from someone like me who wasn't a health person for 30 years to find that drive again. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it felt like I got it. I found a genuine love of exercise, which is running for me. And yet this happened. So I'm like, well, fuck it. Why bother trying? Mm. And it's not true. I keep trying, but the feeling is there. Mm. And that's why I think I keep overeating. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a much of a runner. I'm much mm. of a lifter. Mm. But do you can you describe or if you have experience a runner's high? Do you know what that is? Yeah. I can't say, I can't speak to it too much because I don't know if I've ever felt it. I've definitely felt a high of um, progress and completion. Mm. And I feel that whether it's the gym, whether it's Pilates, whether it's running, the fact that I did something and there's an um, endorphin or whatever happy yes. feeling that comes afterwards, for me, I don't necessarily limited or I from you know I don't know if I can isolate it to running I yeah, feel like it's just it. anything that I don't want to do mm. I grunt and do it and then I feel euphoric about pushing through the resistance mm. and winning that battle that day in that moment that I feel high about mm. but I don't know if I can uh, find a moment where mid run I felt the runners high or whatever yeah. and I think Exercise is very important, man. Like people don't understand. Also, also, I feel like people who say runners, I haven't smoked weed. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't really know what Definitely they're talking about. Definitely they don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever thought about, well, if you'd sit down by yourself, do you ever think that what if I didn't make it? Would I have been happier? Like, I Explain. Um, like, so let's say if you didn't make it through your heart attack, touch wood. Oh, make it from the heart attack. Make it through. As in if I. If you, if you died. If I died, what would you would you have been satisfied with your life and what you've done till that point? Uh, to most parts of it, I think ninety, I would say I've achieved about ninety percent of what I always wanted to achieve. There's about ten percent that I feel like if I don't do that, I would have let myself down, mm. or rather, I didn't. Um, yeah, that would be the one thing of my like 
kind of to-do list that I wouldn't have done. Everything else, especially in the time frame, you know what I mean? Everything else that I have hopes and dreams for, whatever, are more... Um, it's very arrogant to say it, I suppose, but it's just the truth. I genuinely feel like I've achieved more than I ever planned on achieving. So I'm mm-hmm. in a headspace of being in bonus territory now, right now. Mm. So had I died in April 6, 2022, I think there's just one element of it. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable sharing mm-hmm. which element um, that I feel like I missed out on. Um Oh, two, because the other one's threesomes. Uh, so <laughs> I re- reckon, I reckon, uh, I would have loved to have uh, ticked off the threesome um, uh, box, so to speak. What kind of threesome? Two guys, one girl. Two girls, one guy. I think I would go FFM <laughs> for the start, and I think I'd be. I don't know. Look, I might be more comfortable after a couple of rounds of FFM to do MFM. You know, <laughs> so I'll mix it up a bit. But yeah, I would say that those two things: the one that I'll keep to myself, and the other one that is threesomes. Let's take it back. Let's take it back to the first deal lender in Australia. Mm. When was that? February 19, 2004. 2004. Yeah. How was it? It was f- f- fucking weird. I'd never been to this country. I had fucking like, uh, you know, I had uh, heard of Australia because of the cricket. <laughs> and I hated most Australians because of the cricket. Mm. Um, and then I, you know, just... Ended up here because I forgot to apply to the US and the UK. <laughs> and the, or Canada. Yeah, just the, 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 that I missed the rounds of that. And I was like, oh, shit, I was busy trying to play Halo and missed out. And then because my grades were, I'm a bit of a weird dichotomy because, like, my grades were all top grades. Yeah. And yet I was stupid or lazy enough to forget to apply. So I don't know how that when I look back and I go, what the fuck? Like, why would you study so hard, get top marks and then drop the ball in the last mm. minute? But, you know, I just, that's why. <laughs> and so anyway, in the end, realized, oh, fuck, my only option is Australia now. And so I was going to go to Monash because Monash is more marketed in Sri Lanka in the subcontinent. Mm. And then as I, they were kind of like, they were, they were a bit weird with my application because I had done, um, I did the London A-level system and, um, the math subjects, I found them easy uh, than the other ones. So yeah, no I just shit. I just top loaded everything. So I started doing the the year year two maths thing while studying year one. So mm-hmm. I would literally do two subjects simultaneously, even though I hadn't even though I hadn't learned the basics of the last one. Uh, I still was doing it. Ended up getting a hundred for the second year Oof. level one because fucking that's what a weirdo I was. And so I had all these top grades, and they thought, thought it was a bit sus because. It was uh, out of sync. Mm. It's like, hang on, fuck, he did, he did, he's now only doing one subject. They were a bit umming and ahhing because the, the trans, it didn't come in the one hit. Uh, but then Melbourne Uni was like, no, fuck, we'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> and which is a harder uni to get of into, course, yeah. you know. And I was like, all right, I'll just go with Melbourne Uni. And so, yes, yeah, so when I landed here, I didn't know anybody. My dad's mate picked me up from the airport uh, and uh, I had never met this guy. He didn't look like one of my dad's mates because most of my dad's mates are like with pot bellies and, you know, man titties, whereas this guy was like shredded. I was like, that can't be one of dad's mates. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And um, Was that a cultural shock for you? What? Coming to Australia and looking at the culture. That was, what, in, you said in 2004, things would have been way different than they are now. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, it, it would have been shocked no matter if I moved from Colombo to, mm. to, you know, Jaffna within the country even because it's just a shock to be away from my family to begin mm. with. So True. even before I could process any of the cultural issues, it was still just uh, a different thing, a, a different, different place. Thing, yeah. um, 
I think comedians' minds are very, very great at observing. Like comedians are very, very, very good at observing things. Did mm. your mind kick in then, and you were you observing things differently? No, I'm not good at observational humor that isn't about me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm learned like that. I'm very, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, egotistical or self-involved or whatever the negative framework you want to put it in. Or I can go well. I, you know, people say you write about what you know and i focus a lot inwards and try to be better and that's tends to be where my observations come from is about observations about myself and i i think dan you can mm. verify this from the years you've seen me i always sort of tell just the story mm. of my life from the year gone by or the mm. year two years gone by and in there there are observations mm. that are relatable to other people but there's very rarely something that i've looked at society that has nothing to do with me and be able to make a a, a an interesting observation like mm. so some of my favorite comics are the ones who can take something we've stared at a million times and then they make a joke about it and you're going fuck i did think that yeah. and i just didn't realize that's mm. what something all everybody thought mm. uh and i wish i was a good enough writer to be able to do that but i don't have those skills it's it's interesting seeing your life play out on fitbit with ben lomas yeah and then seeing how much of that is taken to your stand-up as mm. well and same with ben as well yeah but it's i just want to thank you for that podcast because especially during COVID, the COVID lockdown years when you and Ben were just so honest about yeah. your struggles, your failings, your achievements, yeah. what little of them there were over those years. I think it was one of those sort of podcasts that sort of really helped me oh, great, get through man. that time as well. But, oh, that's lovely. I, um, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Tell us a bit about what that means to you because that sort of kickstarted your, you know, health journey as well that, yeah that podcast. yeah for sure so the podcast is called fitbed i do it ben you've had him on the pod as well yeah this one and uh so it was basically he and i had both been struggling with weight loss and i knew that again given that i'm ego uh driven that if i can find a way to channel that for good <laughs> that uh i decided to have a bet with him for the first of us to get under 100 kilos wins a thousand bucks and we thought for the fun of it why don't we track it on a podcast and we thought it'll go for about a year or so, but we ended up reaching the goal weight within like four months, which is insane. But it is a testament to how competitive both him and I turned out to be. I didn't know because I never played sport. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like I have a very competitive edge or com sorry, competitive uh, streak. And uh, then from there, it was a cool thing to try and maintain it for a while. And I actually am really proud that during the COVID years, as tough as things were, it was the first time I started feeling the pangs of wanting to drink again and mm. overeat and all those things. And I managed to fight it and ended up losing way more weight. Like, I think I got down to like 78 kilos at one point, mm. you know, and like right now I'm like 105 now, you know, 106 this morning. I checked after a big curry last night. That's true. <laughs> I, I was having a FaceTime with my parents and my brother was eating. He's in my brother lives in Mumbai mm. and he's having his lunch. And it was, I couldn't even fucking tell, but just the way he was eating with his hands, I was like, oh, I'm just craving mm. some Sri Lankan food and I want to eat with my hands, you know what I mean? And so I um, I uh, got some curry and I jumped on the scales today and I'm like, fuck, did I put on a kilo in one meal? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I must have eaten That's a lot. how they work. But um, the pod is something I'm truly proud of for mm. many reasons. And you tapped into a few, which is the honesty of it. I think we've, um, the pod gave me that um platform i guess to not 
have to chase the punchline like I do mm. on stand-up. Mm. Uh, stand-up, I think it's a agreement that I at least for, want to respect, which is that if you're coming to the show, it has to be funny. I don't. It is mm. not my indulgent hour of you know mm. working through my shit. Mm. It's like no, no, no. You've bought a ticket. You've found parking or found a tram into the city and you know maybe some people have to get babysitters and stuff it's a big event for them it's for that hour is not just about the time you the money you spent it's just like no you had to plan around mm -hmm. it so for me i respect that a lot to be like no if you're gonna come i'll try and tell an honest story like with the heart attack but i'll try my absolute hardest to make it funny as well whereas with fitbit it the podcast gives me more of a opportunity to not have to um, undercut the earnestness mm. with um, ru to, or, or, um, to rush to a joke. If the joke's yeah. there, we'll go for it. Yeah. But I don't feel that pressure to to make the pod funny all the time. Um, and I love that that we have a fan base that does allow us that. But also, you know, the number of people that have messaged us over the years to say because of the pod they got healthier because, you know, he and I were so from outside looking hopeless with mm. weight loss and drinking and things mm. like that. So for us to turn it around, found a lot of people found motivation going, oh, fuck, if those two idiots can do it, mm. then maybe I can too. And, you know, getting messages from people, this bloke in WA who said he was on the brink of divorce because of the way he was uh, drinking and unhealthy and because of the pod, he got his shit together and, you know, he started running marathons. He's now got a kid and he's able to play with the kid, you know. So him saying we literally saved his marriage is like unbelievable mm. to think that us studio kids can have that such a positive impact, especially off the back of it being like, hey, we don't know what we're doing. We're just going to share what we're going through. Mm. I think that as a premise is... Uh, is is I think what people resonate to, mm. especially if you look at situations now where Ben and I are both quite um, going back in the other direction again. Mm. You know what I mean? So that that honesty of just saying, "Hey, you know, we're fucking losing the battle mm. here," is it's it's embarrassing, sure, mm. but at the same time, I like that I don't have to feel ashamed. Because I think there's a two different things there. Like it's, you can you can be hard on yourself to go fuck. This is not mm. good, and I need to be better. Versus this is not good, and you're a piece of shit because of it. Mm. You know. Well, you're keeping each each other honest as well, and there's no judgment on either either end. Well, we try not to because mm. again, I think if you can just focus on yourself, I think anything in life, as soon as people get judgy about other people, mm. it's. And you go, what a waste of energy yeah. because you're, it's not like you've clocked yourself and mm. you never will. So why not direct that energy towards what you can do yeah. better? Because it's a lot of people find comfort in criticizing others because it's easier to try and bring other people down than lift yourself up to their level. Like you never see someone who is doing better than you criticize you. Yeah. You might get feedback. You might right. get people saying, hey, I like what you did there or whatever, but have you tried doing it this way or whatever? There's a, there's a big difference between honest feedback and someone being criticizing or, or condescending. Mm. That rarely happens from someone doing better than you. Mm. You're only going to get that from a troll online or a, a colleague who's a hater. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. But it's important when like the people, your fan base, and you talk about being, you know, the sense of belonging, having a sense of belonging when you're here. I think people can find that in your sets 
and the podcast as well. I think that's amazing what you're doing, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, the diff- big difference between fitting in and belonging is really um, uh, something I wish I understood more when I first moved to Australia because a lot of things what I did was to try and fit in uh, when really I just wanted to belong. Mm. And the difference being fit in is when you try and adjust yourself to a version that you think other people want you to be, whereas belonging is, you know, being around people who like you the way you are. Mm. And that doesn't give you an excuse to, you know, for shitty behavior. I think you can keep yourself accountable and make sure that, you know, you're not just saying, oh, that's just Mm. who I am. Accept me for who it is. Mm. I like to punch people when I'm drunk. It's like, no, that's fucking not good enough, you know? Sort your shit out. But I mean more in terms of who you are at the core. And, you know, uh, if I were to use a real example, I used to go to the spring racing carnivals a lot because that's what a lot of my friends mm. were doing and that's what seems to be happening in Melbourne during that time. And and I look back and I'm like, oh, I really didn't have a good time and I just did it because I that's what everyone was doing and they'd dress up and, mm. you know, get drunk. And, and I didn't give a shit about horse mm. racing. I didn't no. like, I didn't even think of the cruelty of it. Like if, ignore that because yeah. I eat meat. So I'm not, I feel hypocritical being cruel, you know, uh, commenting on the the animal rights element of horse racing so ignore that completely right say i'm amoral and i don't give a shit about animal safety but on top of that it's just like i didn't have fun or Mm. rather i'd have to fucking drink so much before i even got to a resemblance of you're just you're just there because you felt like you had to be there it just seems what everyone was doing you know what i mean dressing up and you know buying like i was sneaking in booze because i didn't have money to buy grog there yeah. you know and somehow was sort of telling myself i'm having a great day yeah. no i had mm. i just would rather get drunk with my friends at a pub or uh, at home or something mm. that's more enjoyable than spending exorbitant amount just so i can say i went to the races mm. you know what i mean so those are the types of things i wish i had more awareness of whereas like now i'd be like you know only doing things that i actually want to do rather than feel like i need to do so if you know, Daniel Adams hits me up saying, can I be a, be, be a guest on his yeah. podcast? Like, fuck, yeah. I'd love to do yeah. that. You know, yeah. so. When, so did the, <clears throat> when did the transition happen? When did you find your people? My people were always there. I just found myself. Mm. So uh, the difference was those people that weren't my people fell off. Yeah. But the ones that I had a huge friendship group. And the last Sunday, um, I was hanging out with two of my best friends who were best friends individually as in separately, and then they ended up getting married and now they have a kid, (laughs) you know? So for me, like, they're the ones I met in that first week in Australia. They didn't even know each other at the time, I think, I'm pretty sure, but I became friends with them Mm. separately. And, you know, here we are 20, 19 years later, then they're married with a kid. Um, They're still there. Do you know what I mean? It was never the... It was... They liked me not for uh, the fact that I could drink. Mm. I just thought that was it, you know? What did it feel like for you when your career really got going comedy? I suppose that just depends on what we would say as get going is. Mm. And that one When you played at the Forum Theatre, for instance, in Melbourne, what did what did that feel like? That was huge. That was huge, but that was the year of the heart attack. So I couldn't really That's true. And it was yeah, yeah, it wasn't it was a big deal to get it, but it also is a very challenging year in terms of ticket sales mm. so that was my f- i think it was like a 500 seater yeah uh and that was my first year that i didn't have a a sold out show mm. ever because no oh, sorry since 2015 since mm. since that 13 uh 2015 show where i was in a 30 seater i 
at least had one mm. sellout show. Like mm. usually a yeah. couple, or yeah. usually every Saturday or something would sell out. Yeah. But this was the year that I couldn't get it. I was mm. like getting to 400, 450. And, you know, I shouldn't beat myself up, but it's like hard not to like, you know, go, fuck, yeah. come on, just get there. You know, and I like, you know, being competitive about those things. But I didn't get my sold out show yet, that year. So I couldn't celebrate that moment as uh, healthily as I normally would be able to because I was so um, focused on how uh, the seats that were empty mm. necessarily uh, and also just the health issues that I was going mm. through, you know what I mean? And so that was a challenge. Uh, in terms of how what it felt like to, let's say, make it, honestly, mm. for me, uh, and Harman and I touched on this just before we hit record, which was that I, I have always just found my love of doing stand-up trumped any result-based mm. focus. So the fact that I got to do it was the win, mm. you know, because I just never think thought I had the courage to even step on stage. Mm. So for me, that's really the focus, mm. you know. Yeah, of course, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There's been things that I've achieved or people I got to meet because of comedy or projects that I got to do because of comedy that I pinch myself mm. for sure. Like I'm obviously it'd be stupid for me to say, oh, no, it's the same. No, no, those are awesome but it doesn't i i think for me the it's just this continuous high that i get to do this yeah. and especially because now i've reached the point where a lot of the time i don't have to do things mm. but i'm like oh i get to do it do you know what i mean mm. how cool was was comedy ever a thing before you got to australia was that something you always yeah loved? yes yeah. i watched eddie murphy stand up when i was like 11 the stand-up special delirious and that was like the first time from memory that i could remember seeing stand-up comedy as a not as a thing mm-hmm. um because i think we rented it thinking it was an eddie murphy film mm-hmm. like a beverly hills cop or a golden child or whatever and then <laughs> yeah. it's just on stage yeah, yeah. telling jokes yeah. oh, what the fuck is this eddie murphy just, yeah all right yeah and i just loved it and memorized it and then watched his follow-up called raw and you know memorize that and yeah then i just never thought it's something i could do it's just something i can enjoy from afar Mm. you know and then came to australia was working studying accounting and i went and saw will anderson and dave hughes dave hughes first then will anderson and when i saw will anderson i remember feeling like oh that's it sounds always it always sounds like an insult to will but i don't mean it as an insult but it was seeing him was the first time i went maybe i can do it too which sounds insulting mm. enough he can do it no i mean more like his um type of humor or the way he did it was very similar to how i was funny at a you know f- with friends yeah or whatever i'm like oh okay uh i don't because he didn't do characters like eddie murphy would do impressions mm. and things like that which i don't have that skill set so i just never really understood that there's other ways to do yeah. it you know i always thought you have to be like a animated personality mm. like hughesies or whatever mm. you know whereas this guy will was just being funny with being himself yeah. you know or talking yeah you know and i was like oh I, maybe i can and just that was 2006 uh actually in terms of feeling like you know you've made it just because you asked that question one of my favorite moments is um i have i actually posted about it on instagram i think it was a 2019 comedy festival um there is a photo that I posted where like a spliced photo of the receipt of that first ever tickets that I bought, which is Husey and Will Anderson, uh, which is the first time I ever watched live stand up. So I still mm. have the email receipt and, you know, 2019, um, 
we were part of the same photo shoot to promote the comedy yeah. festival and it's just me between the two of them i think or me behind the two of them I yeah. can't remember. either way i'm in the same frame <laughs> as them and i was like fuck that's it's kind of strange so cool. how life it's works it's so out. cool like 14 years yeah. later to now be considered well, someone yeah. like you know a colleague to these yeah. two people that i you know admired from afar as heroes yeah and you were on hamish nandy's show as well <laughs> one of their shows and you had- <laughs> You were a caller on the yeah yeah that, that's years that's easily earlier. like a quote unquote career <laughs> highlight because it was again uh, twenty ten before I'd done my first ever gig yeah. and I called in on I was at working at an accounting firm and I like had to duck and hide under the desk as I spoke to them and made them laugh and shit and then years later I managed to tell Hamish that story and he loved it and then couple of years later when utopia was being promoted uh, rob sitch was on their show and they actually played the clip saying hey i know you got you 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 know working dog you guys have you know launched a lot of careers like stephen curry and you know celia and all these sort of people but you know we uh, we need to claim dilbrook because he <laughs> called here first and they play the audio so for me it was such a trip to listen to my favorite you know hamish and andy actually the reason i left accounting mm-hmm. Will Anderson's the reason I got into stand-up um, because I used to listen to them going, fuck, they're getting paid yeah. to have fun. They went to Melbourne Uni. I went to Melbourne Uni. You know, they mm. met on Commerce Coach. That's where I met my friends, you know. Yeah. So I was like, we're not that different. Maybe I can do it too, you know. Mm. So for me to have that show that I got me through my tough times, play an audio clip of me calling them to a guy who wrote and directed my favorite Aussie film, The Castle. Yeah. It's just a complete fucking trip for me, yeah. you know? And it was really funny when Hamish texted me and asked me, hey, do you have a rough idea when the sh- uh, what year you called? I was like, mate, it was July 28th, segment four, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Wednesday. There's <laughs> a, a certain sense, there's a weird sort of sense of pride in me for you. Okay. Because I've seen you mm. every year since seeing you at Acme in that yeah. games room. So it's like... I can claim oh, I was there right from the right. beginning when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. his career was, you know, just starting. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. No, and I appreciate it. And I actually, I appreciate you saying you're proud. And I it, it does mean a lot, even though not necessarily something like you would have a linear hand in. Mm, yeah, but no. you definitely have a impact, uh, which is seeing, you know, folks like you and your mum show up year after year is a good example of the things I focus on mm. when writing a new show where I give myself that rule that it has to be a new show because in case people come back again, mm. I don't want them to feel like, oh, we kind of get the same, uh, we, we kind of get a sense that what he does now, we don't need to see him again because we saw him twice in a row mm. and it was very similar or, you know, uh, uh, sometimes people repeat yeah. material and stuff like that and that's their prerogative. But I try to go, if I've built it as a new show, mm. I'll, you know, um, I'll try and make it brand new. Well, I, I can see that. I can see that way you sort of built on your show year after year after year because every year I say, oh, this is the best oh, hour thanks, that man. he's ever done. Yeah, you know? thank you. This, this, yeah. yeah, and I try to strive for that. Oh, I'll try to do something different. So for me, when I set out my goals for the show, I always come back to myself going, if I was a fan of me and I've seen every show of mine, what would I like to you know, play to mm. that guy because yeah. I do love what I do because I, at the end of the day, you can't control how your material is received by the audience, but you can be 
you know, in control of what you might be mm. proud of or not. And there is one year that I felt like I missed the mark. I I, I know what I attempted, uh, but it fell short of what I attempted. And I felt like that was a setback for me. But I don't hold that against me uh, because I know what I was trying to do. It was mm. a 2019 show and it was about the weight loss. And I wanted to do it only about that. I wanted to learn, like, because every time I just have mm -hmm. random bits of material that I put together and it feels coherent. But this was like, no, no, no. I want to talk about the weight loss and every joke or every story has to link back to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I saw compromised here and there. Uh, sorry, in attempting that, I sort of funnier bits I might have let go because they didn't really fit mm -hmm. into the theme of the show or whatever. And then at the end of it, I look back and I go, oh, you know what? This wasn't as good as 2018 for me, for my standard. Um, but I'm happy I had a crack because fast forward to 2023, when I do the show about the heart attack, I had that skill set of writing towards one theme. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I almost a failure of 2019, uh, my version of failure of 2019 uh, helped me make 2022 or 23 a success. If that makes sense, mm, you know, because sense. it almost goes, I know how to do this. I've done this before and, you know, I'll, uh, I, I can make, um, I can back myself to go again. Yeah. You know? And it'll be better than that last time. The first time that you <clears throat> pick up the mic or went on the stage, mm. first time you performed, mm. did you feel like home and did you thought to yourself, according to your center that, oh shit, I'm good at this or I'm not good at this. I need to work hard. Oh, so September 21st, 2010, that was my first ever gig. It was the Comics Lounge on a Tuesday, which is when they used to have the new comics back then. Uh, so there was only like 20 people in the crowd. And I fucking bombed so hard. Uh, so my worst fear was realized. I, I took me a year between getting fired from the big accounting job that I was having and realizing that I wanted to stand up. It took about a year's worth of courage to get there. Even, more than a year, actually, because I got fired in August 2009. And then 2010, I uh, finally thought, again, it goes back to pain. The pain of trying and failing was bad, but the pain of never trying it was worse. So I mm. thought, okay, I'll pick the one that's less painful and did it. And I think I was scared because I didn't want to, I just felt like I'd failed at accounting. Mm. So I didn't want to fail at this other dream of mine. Mm. But then I thought, no, if I could just do it, see what happens. And I did it and it was so bad. Uh, but it was the best thing to happen because in spite of it having such a bad result, I f knew how good I felt. And in terms of belonging yes. that we talked about, it was straight away, it was like an aha moment, you know? I'm like, oh my God, I love this so much and I suck. Mm -hmm. Imagine if I got good, how much more would I love it, mm -hmm. you know? And so I basically, yeah, the next day I went to my, I was started working for a small accounting firm and I said to them, I was like, hey, uh, my boss, I was like, I'd like to take a day off a week to focus on comedy. And even though I'd only done one gig and it was a bad gig, <laughs> I just knew it was like, oh, no matter what happens, this is all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Even if it takes me 25, 30 years, I, I have never done anything that's made me happy in the process of it, in spite of the result, regardless of the result. Mm. It's funny how it works that even if you bombed or failed, um, you still push through that that I know this is what what I want to do mm. versus you wouldn't have felt in anything else yeah yeah because it was so my attitude to stand up uh, is something I wish I could replicate in all other, other aspects of my life it kind of every time I've looked at a you know professional development coach a life coach whatever the these you know Tony Robbins um, you know Tim Ferriss uh, all these different names 
um, all the principles that they explain, David Goggins even, the one place I applied that to naturally was stand-up. Everything else I've shit at. Like, for example, let's talk about weight loss or being fit. I'm so results-driven mm. that I, I, I can't seem to... Not that I can't seem to, but I'm, I really struggle to go, no, 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 it's okay. Just focus on the fact that you're doing it, you know? Mm. Process, 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 process. Mm. Fine, let the results come and go, whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I'm a bit better with my finances as well, going like, that's fine, don't worry about the stock market going up and down. Just keep focusing on just drip feeding it, you know? Stand-up, I never was results-based. Mm. And that is potentially a, a shortcoming mm. because, like, I did my you know, finances for the end of the year. We we're recording this at the start of July. And I kind of looked and I went, oh, fuck, I, you know, earned a decent amount. Mm. That'll do me for the year. Mm. So now, like, I had this, like, couple of gig offers come in that clashed with, you know, something much less, you know, lucrative. But I'm like, nah, it's all right. I'll, mm. I'm, I'll pass on that, you know. Because mm. for me, I'm, I'm trying to go... There's no point in just earning money for the sake of earning mm. money. If I feel like I'd earned enough this year already, why not celebrate that? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And of course, I'm don't be don't get me wrong. Like, I'll do like other like corporates and things like that that'll come, but I'm not going to pursue them or I'm not going to do them at the expense of mm. losing other life experiences for the rest of the year. And that's a privilege, mm. and that's something that I don't want to scoff at. I want to appreciate that privilege you know how many people can say that they feel financially healthy at the middle of the year to not have to work the rest mm. of the year so rather than saying that and thinking wait first of all not being arrogant or entitled about it going fuck off i'm better than everyone because this is how much i've earned whatever no not i don't mean it like that i mean it more like going okay good now that we know that how about we just fucking go back to breathing and you know like i said I'm, I'm going away next week for about you know three weeks in bali and things like that i'm just like great do that i'm going back to sri lanka mm -hmm. to see my parents great i might even go somewhere else awesome all of that means i lose money but mm -hmm. at least i'm spending the money i've earned on experiences that i might mm -hmm. not get in the future you know take advantage of life. take advantage of the, yeah. the, the the fact that i'm on a good wicket yeah. rather than some would argue because of that now compound and take it to that next level, which is I can't disagree with, you know, I actually because that's sometimes the way I'm wired to. I'll mm. be like, yeah, fuck it. now that I know I've got the safety net of of uh, financial freedom for this year, at least. Why not fucking double down and take some bigger risks on my career? Mm. Sure, that's true. But I also want to fucking live a bit. You know, mm, I've had true. a pretty rough trot. So, mm. so yeah, I'm kind of balancing those two worlds where maybe I'm starting to get to a sense of what my life would look like in the future is working in phases rather than finding balance on a day-to-day -day or a weekly basis. I'm mm. like, I, I think I'm someone who's better at going fucking nuts for a chunk of time mm. where minimum sleep and just intensity and then just, you know, I'm just completely letting mm. go, you know, mm. and then recalibrating and starting the process again. I think I prefer that than going start the day, go to the gym, uh, you know, uh, do everything right and then come evening, sit down and watch a TV series because that's not how my schedule works. My schedule is I'm busy at night, I'm busy at day, I'm mm. busy in the morning, you know what I mean? Mm. So it doesn't quite work. Whereas if I kind of go, okay, 
this next chunk of period is where I'll go watch musicals and um, plays and movies and ballets and music concerts, like, mm. you know, push myself to see other forms of art just to feel inspired by them. Mm. Do you actively push yourself or push yourself or put yourself into situations where you think this will be a good experience and that can help me write better? Sometimes I do, but I'm trying to do that less because uh, I certain experiences I definitely think I lose the true value of it by having that agenda to try and find material. Perspective, yeah. Mm. Uh, so, for example, uh, in a couple of weeks I, in Bali, there's like a six-day meditation kind of retreat that I'm going on. I've never done anything like that, but I'm so sort of... Um, emotional and sensitive and fragile off the back of the last six months and you know and the heart attack and all that that I kind of just want to try these you know because I'm I love my therapist and we've done a lot of great work together but I also want to start exploring other alternatives Ooh. you know now that experience don't get me wrong there's a first thought to me is like oh even if it's shit at least I'll get material out of it but I don't want to do that. I want to kind of go forget about stand up, forget about just live in this moment mm. and see if there's any, you know, benefit I can get from it. Instead of taking a picture of the sunset, you just want to enjoy the sunset for a while. That's a great way of phrasing it. You're right. I'm someone who definitely mm. chases capturing things and putting it on Instagram and rather than it being captured and just kept for myself, even. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe that's the the way I can train myself out of it is to first take the picture but just not share it mm. and then maybe eventually I don't even take the picture, I just <clears> enjoy <throat> the memory of just it, a, you know. Yeah. There's a chicken shop in Sale uh, which is near, uh, uh, where is it, uh, Torelgan in Hayfield, I think, or whatever. Anyway, a uh, place called Santos, a Portuguese chicken place that Ivan Aristegueta and I love and I went there once and it was so good that I've, thought about taking the train up there because mm. I don't drive just to do it again. But Ivan was there on the weekend uh, at, I think, part of the Ro Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow, and he said it's permanently closed. Oh. And I was heartbroken because I was mm. like, fuck, I've always wanted to go back and mm. I never did, and here we go, it's done, it's gone forever. And then there's a part of me that goes, that's okay. This, you know, that was worthwhile it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a great experience at that time, place and it can just be a memory. And if f God yeah. knows, it's probably not as good as I remember it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So at least it lives Something on. that keeps coming up on this podcast um, quite a lot, uh, living life in the moment, mm. not looking mm. back, not looking forward, just what have people taking shared? what it is. What have people shared that you guys have found useful in terms of trying to be more in the moment? Fuck, that's a good question. We had um, an opera singer on, David Hobson, mm. um, and... Man, that was a pretty full-on episode because the way he sort of expressed himself and sort of related sort of opera and culture to life and he had that great... That moment clicked for me when, like, living life in the moment for him was completely... I know it's hard to sort of articulate. I'd have to go back and listen to the podcast, but there was something about that one in particular that mm. sort of spoke to me and, yeah... I think saying they're living life in the moment, it sounds like an Instagram quote, but... Well, David said something about he doesn't look back, he doesn't look forward, he just thinks about now. Yes. And 
that spoke to me. I don't know. Some, it's the way he articulated it which spoke to me. It's like, oh, yes, actually, that mm. makes sense. It does. And he's, yeah. I think, I, from an artist's perspective, the way he was talking just spoke to us. Like, yeah, yeah it makes sense. He's he was mm. a true artist who just gave a fuck about what he was doing at the very second. Mm. Mm. Right. And I think I tap into that every time I perform <clears throat> because I'm not thinking about stuff uh, in my personal life, I'm not thinking about, you know, health issues. Even if I'm talking about the heart attack, the focus in that moment is about that very bit of material mm. or whatever. So I do get my version of mindfulness when I'm on stage because, um, but there are moments where I might be saying the words because I've done it so many times, but let's just say I'd forgotten a bit or whatever. Let's say I'm like, oh shit, I haven't done that other story yet. And the following story won't make sense if I don't do that bit. And so I'm trying to recalibrate, mm. trying to figure out where can I position the story that I'd forgotten so that the callback works mm. in the next story or whatever. But as I'm doing all that calibration, on stage is still me performing. Mm. And hopefully not, people don't notice that I'm not actually present in the words mm. I'm saying. So there are moments where I do get removed from it. However, my synapses are firing so much that I'm so attentive to, you know, people's feelings and mm. you know, I can see, you know, the bits that I can see of the crowd, you know, I'm taking that all in. So it's very much like in the moment, you know? Mm. Absolutely. And, and even I, when I performed at like the the comedy festival opening show All Stars, which mm. is like one of my biggest gigs, not just in terms of the impact of it, but also in terms of the numbers. It's like mm. nearly 3,000 people. My goal every year is to um, to take it, especially in 2018 when I did it for the first mm. time. Uh, I remember a week before that I went and watched the gala, the Oxfam gala. I was in the crowd watching it and both Becky Lucas and Nate Valvo blitzed it valvo in particular blitzed it that year with this story about a triathlon that he went and visited oh so he cheered his partner on that bit went like viral and stuff but he knocked it out of the park and i remember chatting to him a few days later or whatever it's like how did you feel he's like i can't remember it mm, he's like he yeah. just went, it was just all a blur mm. and for me after him and becky lucas both said that i was like oh fuck my only goal is to try and remember everything mm. like because i was like i've done this i've practiced this in fact the year before that i was uh, will anderson was the host and he had asked me to do the the warm-up the opening mm. for the show and i perform the bit that I was going to in my in my head I go if I ever get the get mm. this offer this is the bit I would do and I did it I got the practice mm. and it worked I'm like fuck <laughs> you know mm. so I don't need to stress out about the material I've done the preparation mm. all I need to do is enjoy the moment mm. and I'm um, that 2018 clip uh, even though I've had clips from that show in like that has gone got more hits or whatever in the future that 2018 one is a special place for me because if you watch the first 10 seconds, it's me walking up, smiling, looking and taking the balcony in, the mm. second balcony. I'm like taking it mm. all in and just genuinely like a gleeful idiot just smiling and mm. going, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. And I love that because I even now if you ask me, I can close my eyes and picture exactly how I felt wearing that weird mm. pink suit or whatever I was wearing. And I'm like, ah, oh, because I intentionally wanted to be present and mm. think about it and not because my biggest fear I would say is if everything goes to zero now. So I don't get booked anymore. I don't get auditions, whatever, all those goes vanishes, mm. it can happen in this industry. 
I don't want to be left feeling like I wish I enjoyed it more when I had it. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. I want to be able to say, oh, thank God I fucking made the full, made the most of what I had when I had mm. it so that I could, you know, really take it in. And that sort of leads back to that thing of where I did my, you know, mid-year finances and I went, oh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Why mm. not just enjoy the rest of the year? Like, mm. what the, you know, otherwise you're just going to keep working, 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 working. Mm. And for what? Yeah. This, this, I think this podcast has been a game changer for us because we have this opportunity to sit down with people that we ordinarily wouldn't get a chance to talk right. to. And for me in particular, I can only speak to me, but I've always lived with this sort of heightened anxiety all my life mm. because I think it stems from having to do speech therapy as a kid. Right. So not being um, as confident when I'm talking to strangers or just talking to anyone in, ge in general because I'm having to make a conscious effort to mm. sort of slow down my speech when I talk to people right. and because if it, if it comes out too fast then I may, you know, trip over my words I may sound too nervous, which Harmon says I don't sound too nervous, but in my head I think I'm... I mean, you know yourself. And yeah. it's a thing that's at that stages of any kind of progress, which is, you know, unconscious incompetence. Mm. Then there's conscious incompetence. Then there's conscious competence. And then there's unconscious competence, mm. meaning take driving. You know, when you're a four-year-old, you don't even... Two-year-old, you don't even know that you can't drive mm. because you don't know if the driving is a thing. Then maybe when you're 16, you go, okay, I... No, I can't drive, but I, you know, mm. I'm aware of it. Then you start practicing and then yeah. you're like, okay, I can drive, but I have to be very conscious yes. of it. Whereas now, yeah. after you practice enough, then you're doing it well, mm. but you're not thinking of it, that mm. your hand has to be on 10 and 2 and all those things. So similarly, with doing stuff like the podcast and stuff, at this point, sure, you're going to feel that mm. muscle, you know, needing to be consciously activated. Yeah. But the more you do stuff like this, the more inevitably well, exactly you're just because gonna... it's sort of been falling falling away slowly, but but surely. Yeah. I mean, even during this last comedy festival, uh -huh. I saw Kirsty Wiebeck at yeah. the Comedy Republic, and I think ordinarily I wouldn't go up and say, "Oh, I really love your work. I love yeah. your stand up, or whatever." I was due to go to another show, so I was leaving the Comedy Republic. Kirsty was seen down with Cal Wilson. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go up and disturb it. I'm just going to leave to my next show. And then I stopped myself. I was halfway down their stairs, mm. went back upstairs. I'm like, no, fuck it. I'm just going to go up and say, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I'm a big fan of your work. Yeah. And I did it. And I'm like, if it weren't for the podcast, I don't think I would have yeah. done that. Yeah. And that's the same thing as that I said before about the runner's <clears throat> high thing. You know <clears throat> what I mean? Like it's not for me having a roadblock and then uh, overcoming that obstacle is in itself the high. You mm. know what I mean? So in that instance, that if whatever you would have felt the positive feeling mm. is something that that I think is what I wish I'd focused more on when I look at my running shoes or mm. know that I've got a, a session at the gym is like hey remember that at the end of this is a feeling that you mm. need to be excited about but my problem is at the end of it the scales haven't changed <laughs> but i just need to reframe mm. what the activity means to me so mm. for you in that instance that's a huge win mm. do you know what i mean yeah like for given the the backstory that you have about speech therapy about you know uh, the the confidence around even saying i really like your work the fact that you walked away, then you went, fuck it, no, I'm going to go yeah. back. That to me is as 
uh, impressive a a win mm. as say you know I'm in the Formula One mode because it's the Austrian Grand Prix right now that Max Verstappen wins again mm. the sprint. It's like yeah because you're both pushing yourselves out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm. and because we all have different starting points mm. and your version of you know adversity is different to my version of adversity, but the effort to overcome that is almost I think mm. as similar. Mm. because we all have those yeah we all have know. something yeah and also there's a time that you just need to stop telling that story to yourself that you had that or you were that i get mm. it learning lessons but you also have to just mm. stop that story because that is a part that's living inside you need to just give up that mm. i agree with that Harmon. i definitely agree with that and it's definitely something that i need to be more conscious about the stories we tell, tell ourselves you know because they they're very you know and it's really cool when you realize that you have the power to read you tell a new story or start a story afresh mm-hmm. and that you know but there's a great um i don't know what to call him he's a business guy entrepreneur named alex homozi and his wife yeah. layla yep. i love the two of them because uh you know they're very practical about things and as Alex says, you know, you don't get better by shouting, you know, mm-hmm. affirmations in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You do it by stacking evidence, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of unfuckable yep. evidence. Mm-hmm. So you, and in that, people are like, well, how do you get the evidence? It's like you just remember that mm-hmm. the steps are the wins. Mm-hmm. So let's say you had a goal to do a um, a keynote speech uh, at TED Talks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that's like an ultimate goal. It might appear that everything except that is not the win but the truth mm. is this every step the you and Harmon deciding to to do a podcast is a win then you doing the actually executing the podcast is a win you going to Kirsty and saying that you like her work that's the win and because we don't focus on those micro wins we think that we are not achieving enough mm. but the truth is those little steps are the ones that get you to that, mm. you know, the big goal. And, and by yeah. it's good to have a GPS going, okay, that's where I need to go. But once it's plugged in, don't worry about the, how far off you are. Mm. Focus on not crashing immediately mm. in front of you, you know? True. Yeah. This has been amazing. Thank you so much <laughs> for, pleasure, for, for being here. And I'll just end by saying this. When I sit down and plan my comedy festival every year, I have these – I've had the – comedians I'll see every single year. So I'll see Will Anderson every year. If Tom Gleason's doing a show, I'll see his show every yeah. year. And now after seeing you all those years ago, you're one of those oh, guys. Thanks, I'm man. like, I have to see Dill Rock show this <laughs> that, year. That, see, that means a lot. Yeah. And, it, and I'm not just saying that because now I'm like, all right, fuck, uh, I need to step it up because Dan's coming next year. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone should watch Utopia as well. It's great. Oh, yes, yeah. please yes. do. Yeah, it's so funny. I forget to promote Utopia just because it just promotes itself. It's so <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. But it's on air at the moment. When is this podcast going out? Oh, that's a good question. Well, yeah. like, well, well either way, yeah, uh, you can catch it on ABC iView yeah. or those Wednesdays. I think it's just wrapped its um, most recent season, actually. So it is, I think it is all on. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Either way, yeah, yeah cool. But yeah. otherwise, you know, Dil Ruche on Instagram yeah. if you want to follow my live work. Uh, if you have any Canberra listeners, I've got a show August 12th in the, in Canberra. So um, go to Dil Ruche for all the details. We'll put your links in the bio. Oh, please do. My God. Uh, yeah, go to the links. Fuck everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank Man. you. Thank you, guys. <laughs>